Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to episode 136. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop, and with me, as always, or most of the time, sometimes by himself, is my co-host, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop. Hello, Sean. And tonight, hi. <laughs> and tonight, we're uh, we're talking to Jeremy Crawford. Uh, you may know him from such things as the Woodshop One Hundred and One podcast or uh, CountrysideWorkshop.com. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not much. How you doing? Uh, thanks for having me on. No, no problem. So, Absolutely. I know it's punishment to have to sit around for an hour and talk about woodworking, but we thought you deserved it. Yeah. Does it? Well, it's. It's just prepping me for tomorrow night because we've taken the last few weeks off. And when we record, it usually lasts about three hours. So <laughs> brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll ease I, you I, into I, it. There's only be an hour and a half. I could think of worse things to do with my night. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, uh, Diami. Yes, Sean. How's your vice going? Uh, the vice still isn't quite going. It's still in a box um, underneath my laptop bag right now. But the vice bench is coming along. And after that long discussion we had about what to do with the vice, I opted to build a small bench specifically to house the vice. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is for my pattern maker's vice. And what I'm building is... Um, I'm going to keep referring back to Shannon's bench because I've seen it many times. I presume most of the listeners are familiar with it. Shannon Rogers has a small, I think he calls it his joinery bench. And it's about two by two. It might be a little bit bigger than that. It's been a long time since I saw it, but I've actually, he brought it to Woodwork in America one year. Um, mm-hmm. So I've, I've actually touched the damn thing. Um, but mine's going to be about two by two. And. Because it's a bench, and you can't make benches out of actual wood, I made it out of LVLs. And while my man-made materials are often store-bought, because I can get them wholesale, this is actually a reclaimed LVL that I took off a job site. So I was talking with, uh, going, just going back and forth on the interwebs, with Phil Pinsky of um, Reclaimed Audio, and he's got me kind of thinking about it apparently between him and aaron marshall it's very easy to influence me in the way i build a bench um so i think i may scrounge up some reclaimed something or other to make legs out of at this point i haven't made the legs it's going to be a very simple leg assembly it's the top i've been focusing on um so i still have to make the the legs so at this point i took this big lvl it was like 14 inches wide and i i cut it up, I milled it square, I re-glued it together so now it makes this bench top. It's about three and a quarter inches thick, about 24 by 24, and in the bottom, I've done all the milling to accept the underside of the pattern maker's vise. Um, so I still have a little bit to do on the face and a little bit to do on the top, but in dry fitting so far, everything seems to be fitting properly and it's been, uh, it's been actually kind of nice to, to get out there with a router and just, just hog away lots and lots of wood. Uh, so that's that's what's going on in my shop. No, that's that's pretty cool. I I seen your photos going around, and um, it doesn't look like the you know the setup for that thing is too bad as far as how much you've got to excavate out from underneath it, or is that deceiving 
No, it, well, in terms of qu- quantity, it's a fair amount, but it's not that tricky. There's a there's a slot that is three inches wide by I don't know about two inches deep by sixteen inches deep. Okay, and then there's another one that's four and a quarter by uh, by about four inches deep by three and a half inches deep. So those are the two that run underneath the underside. The bigger one is near the front, and then it narrows down and gets a little shallower and continues to the back. Um, so I've got them, and all I have to do right now is on the face and the top of the vise, it only gets cut out three-eighths of an inch deep by six and an eighth wide. And that that accepts the top of the hinge mechanism that allows it to pivot gets, uh, gets mortised down into the top of the bench. So there's a small steel plate that is flush with the top of the bench, a little bit behind the jaw of the vice jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's fairly straightforward. It's all square stuff. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. I did I did it all with a re- with a. So far, I've done everything with a two and a half, two and a quarter horsepower router. Um, I've got the the Bosch, but I've got the the newer model Bosch that has the the trigger on the finger, uh, the trigger mm-hmm. on the handle rather, mm-hmm. and. Something is not right between the base and the body because I'm having a real hard time with the with the fine adjustment getting the body to go up and down. It's jamming on something. I saw a little – there was a little nick on the metal. It was catching and I, I filed it down. I, I got to monkey around with it some more. I wasn't I, – I damaged it somehow I think is what happened. But the remaining ones, since they're very shallow, I'm going to do them with a palm router. Um, so it was just, just lots of playing. I got to pull out my giant um, William Eng pattern makers bit that's i think mm-hmm. it's like eight spiral blades it's this monstrous thing it's like an inch and a quarter in diameter and i always enjoy using that so putting that in a handheld router is always fun i bet i've wanted to play with one of those bits every time i see it i'm like man that thing just looks looks massive it looks so intimidating because <laughs> of how many blades it has and you're just like dude that, that thing can chew through anything mm-hmm. you're absolutely right but what i learned Years ago, when I, w- I was working on a bay window in the front of the house, and it was just a, t- a two a two blade, just fluted bit. It wasn't spiral or anything, and I managed to put it through my palm. So you don't need a good bl- a good bit to, to go through <laughs> to go through you. So I personally, I don't find it any more intimidating than anything else because I've realized that they all can hurt you. Um, but it's it does have a ton of mass. But you, the trick is just to, to use it, you know, in a controlled situation. At this point, it was basically buried in this giant trough, so I wasn't particularly worried about it coming out and biting me. Yeah. So, and you were actually using it in a in the handheld. You weren't using it in in uh, like a a router router table. Yeah. No, it was in the handheld. It was in a handheld uh, two and a half horsepower. Router. I've actually only ever used it in handhelds. I've never bothered to put it in the router table. Hmm. He's a madman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, just something of that size. Like I, I would have never thought about just using it handheld. But I mean, I, I guess if it, you, you have it fully buried, I don't see really a problem behind. Yeah, that. Yeah, and I, since I'm using, I wasn't using it to to hog out the the bulk of the material. I hogged out with a half inch spiral bit. Um. I was really only using that to, to route the outside edge up against. Um, I, I took a piece of, of, uh, of hardboard and clamped it to the top, and I just let the bearing run against the hardboard to, to cut right, right to the edge where I had to go. So it was really only removing, maybe it was a quarter inch of material. It was probably more like an eighth. 
So how long have you had that bit, Diomi? About a year, year and a half. I bought the bit when I no, let me. It's, yeah, it might be longer than that. When did when did Mark do the sculpted rocker build in the guild? Uh, don't I don't know. know. Well, maybe maybe a year ago, a little I, over a year ago. I think I bought that bit to work on the sculpted rocker that I still haven't started. <laughs> well, man, so. I, I, I'm actually thinking of two different thoughts right now. So, okay. first of all, I want to know how it compares to like the the white side. I guess they, I think they call it the ultimate flesh trim bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it has, I know the bit you're talking about. So, I want I wonder how it compares to that. Um, if it, if it's higher quality um, or not, and, and the reason why I ask because I remember about a year ago, and if it the the actual place eludes me maybe, maybe facebook there was I, I actually think it was in the the wood whisper guild uh facebook group okay. um somebody brought up that that they had bought the william mean uh, bit and it wasn't cutting it was burning a lot um and i think mark suggested uh getting in contact with william mean and and seeing about um, swapping it out or if something was wrong with it. But then several other people chimed up and said they were having the same issue with that bit. Um, so I, just, I, I don't think I, I never really followed up on it because I didn't own the bit. So I just wonder if it was like maybe a bad batch of steel at that point or a bad batch of sharpening. Um, I don't have the white side ultimate pattern makers bit, but like that, that half inch spiral bit I was using, that's a white side bit. Um, yeah. So I have white side bits. I'm going to say that the white side, in general, the white side quality is probably a tiny bit better. But I know exactly what they're talking about with the burning, and I need to t- slow the router down. Um, the first thing I did with this bit when I took when I took it out is I put it in the router, and I put the router on speed one, and I made a pass. I put the router on speed two, and made a pass. I made a bunch of test passes. I saw which ones burned and which ones didn't. And at least in my Bosch, I run it at a four out of six speed. Now, it's... It's one of these routers that has numbers, not actual speeds. So I really couldn't tell you how fast it's running, but it's it's a honking bit. It's it's got a big diameter, so those you know, by the time those those blades on the outside edge of that inch and a quarter, inch and a half diameter, they're cranking. Um, they're spinning a lot faster than than the outside of a half inch bit. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna have to dial it down a little bit and. Before you bury it into a piece of wood, just spend a little bit of time and see which speeds are burning and which speeds aren't. Um, that's that would be my suggestion because it, it absolutely will burn, but so will a half inch bit if you're if you're hogging off too much. So I found just dialing back the speed a little bit makes all the world a difference in, in terms of how the blades uh, how the bits perform. Yeah, I um, guess that makes sense. I mean, you're you're trying to that, that's a lot of girth and, and and mass that you're trying to push around in, in a small circle. So right, and you've got. I'd have to count the actual blades, but with the blades, the way they spiral up, you've got to have probably six blades as it goes up. It's, it's a lot more than two. Um, so you've got a lot of blades. Because of the diameter, where they contact the wood, they're spinning much faster than a, than a smaller diameter bit at the same setting of the router. So the blades are almost constantly in contact with the wood. So I would think that it's going to burn wood easier than a smaller, fewer bladed bit would. So it's just more reason to turn it down. Yeah. 
I, I'm going to confess, I never never adjust the speed on my router <laughs> for for that same reason. So I my go to router is, is the Dewalt uh, two and a quarter. Okay, and it, it's the same thing. It's it's got a number adjustment instead of an actual RPM adjustment, mm-hmm. and so I got to get out like the little owner's manual. And except it's not a manual; it's like the sheet that is two like two by two inches, and it unfolds to be like five feet wide, and like you got it's a little bitty table in it. That tells you each number means so many RPMs. I'm like, forget well, that. I don't have time to pull that thing out to try to figure out what my RPMs are. That I absolutely agree with, but I'll tell you two things. Is one, you can Google it and you don't have to pull out a little sheet. <laughs> um, but the other one is just just play with the speeds. Like it doesn't matter to me what number four is. I just know that for that bit, number four works because I've played with it. Um, yeah. And you can do, do the exact same thing. The number. The, the number's not particularly relevant. What really is relevant is does it burn or not. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things I'll have to play around with. I don't know. It's, it's, I usually don't think about it. I just throw the bit in there and, and roll. Um, but Do you end yeah, up I mean, with a lot of burning? Uh, not usually. Um, but I haven't really spun anything very large. I think, in fact, the largest bit that I have spun in it is um, a 45 degree chamfer bit. Okay. That's, that's maybe it's one of the, it's one of CMT's uh, larger ones. So I think maybe it's like an, at the, at the widest point, it's an inch in diameter. Um, but I've never taken that off all in one pass either. You know, it's always right. Right. You're creeping up, so. up on it. So you're taking a nice little, yeah. So that, that, that could be a reason why I've not received a lot of burning is because I'm constantly only taking a little bit off at a time. Right, and and with the with the big spiral bit, that's important too. You, even with that monster bit, you don't want to hog off too much. Yeah, I'll have to give it a try. I've I've, I've seen it a lot, and I've thought about it a lot. Maybe I'll just uh, pull the trigger and, and get it sometime this year <laughs> and mess around with it. How could you ever regret buying a router bit? It's something, especially something of that size. Yeah. <laughs> if mean, nothing else, impress your friends anything. with it. Yeah. Exactly. Be like, hey, check this out. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm just gonna carry it around. It's just gonna be like drill a hole through the through the shank and, and just wear it around my neck. Yeah, well, there you go. This is this you, is my bling. When it comes out of the out of the container, it is sharp as hell. So you might want to dull it before you hang it around your neck. Oh, I just shave my neck hair with it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, all right. Oh, so cool. uh, so that's what's going on in my shop, Sean. What have you been yeah, working right. on? <laughs> very very much less than that but i i am going up to my dad's house this weekend and we've already discussed um I, he he wanted to check out the festival sander so we're going to put that thing through its paces and he got i think we talked about this before the um oneida router hood yeah i've got, seen they just finally released that that thing looks looks pretty interesting yeah and he he lamented to me before kind of like what was with the festival sander was like i ordered that thing in october i got it in early or late February, early March, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like he bought into that Oneida thing like right away, and he just got it two days ago. <laughs> so he's like, he sent me a picture. Like finally here. I'm like, cool, dude. I'll come off this weekend. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what that thing's all about, and uh, and I'll report on the next time we record. It's yeah, please do. And one particular thing I'm looking for is, if I understand right, it's a shroud that goes on the top, and then a little hood that goes in the bottom for when you're edge routing. Mm-hmm. I have to believe that you can take the bottom hood off and just use the shroud on the top when you're yes. just when you're plunging or blind routing. But please confirm that. Yeah, the the only thing that 
it doesn't scare me about it, but it's they call it the universal, mm. which means it it's it's maybe just simple enough that it you know it, I don't know it's gonna have to have a couple of different bolt holes or true holes, but other than that, I I'm guessing that you you're you can take hunks of it off just in case applications don't right, necessarily jive right. 100 i'll tell you you know even if it's only mediocre at dust collection which at least on the publicity stuff that oneida's shown in their their little videos it seems to do a great job um mm. but even if it only does a mediocre job the fact that it's clear yeah um that's one of the huge one of the biggest complaints i have and why i won't use a fest tool router is because their stupid shrouds the shroud on top is clear but the, they have an equivalent little thing that hooks up underneath as a guard, mm-hmm. and it's black. Yep. And then the base is fiberglass, and you can't see a friggin' thing. Um, so the fact that this is all clear, I think I, I'll trade a little bit of dust for for seeing. Sure. Yeah, and I and I can't I can't tell from what I've seen of it because I've not seen actually like promotional stuff from a night on it. I don't even know how big it is. Like mm. this thing, like the body, you know this. Does it overcome the size of a router? Can a palm router work with it? I don't know. Let's find out. Jeremy, have you seen it? You know what we're talking about? I have seen a little bit of it. I mean, I don't know a lot about it. Just I'm kind of in the same notion. My my router picks up dust fairly decent enough for me not have to worry about uh, purchasing an aftermarket piece on it. Mm-hmm. Um, could it always be better? Yes. Um, but at the same token, a router itself, um, you know, like we were talking about, it, it it can turn into a, a dangerous tool pretty quickly, um, especially if that router bit catches. So adding something that may add bulk or add size to it, add weight, I'm, I'm not entirely sold on. Mm. I would have to see uh, more reviews on it and actually see more real-world people using it, people that I know, people that I can trust, to give an honest opinion on it before I would consider probably putting it on my router. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, if If nothing else... For edge routing stuff, if you're doing banding or anything, you know, on a profile on the outside, if it can catch that, where, you know, when it's buried, I get, you know, when you're like, yeah, me what you're doing, if you're burying that bit, it's coming out of only the sides, and you can right. set up something to grab well, those chips. I'll, I'll tell just, you, when I was doing mine, I have, mm-hmm. I have the on on my Bosch, I have the Bosch shroud, which doesn't mm-hmm. go below the below the base at all, but it does go around the, on the top of the base and collects from the top. And it's clear, and I was able to see pretty well through it. Um, and it probably collect, collected 75% of the dust. Like, there's still dust everywhere. I'm not going to say it didn't make dust everywhere, but considering that I was removing, you know, cubic inches of wood, <laughs> I, I think it did, a, it did a great job. So my advice always is start with the with the one the factory sells for any given router and unfortunately they're all aftermarket pieces except for the Festool but most brands most better brands of router you can buy one from the factory that does a pretty decent job yeah, yeah. just this being their attempt at, at being that universal fit for everybody i mean i don't know yeah no no I'll it's it's absolutely know. worth worth trying out um yeah so Jeremy, what's going on in your shop? Um, well, I was hoping to have the dining room table go figure um, completely wrapped up. It's to a point that it's um, usable now. Uh, Does that was, mean it'll never get finished? No, it will definitely yeah. get finished. Um, and 
In fact, uh, the, I, it was awesome that you guys asked me to be on here because, Jeremy, I was going to contact you about how I want to finish the tabletop. Okay, um, did, did you hear? I built a dining table in three days. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I've built one in three years, almost four <laughs> years. So, um, well, what are you thinking about the top? So, I, I want to do a uh, a dye stain, but I want to mix the the like the transient liquid dye in with the um armor seal and why? why i understand why you want to dye it but why do you want to mix it in the armor seal <sighs> to be honest i and i can't tell you how long ago this has been this has been probably several years um you had a guest on the podcast a while back that that talked about um mixing dye stain in with the with the um like polyurethane or shellac was that and uh, adding was that sam hammery when we were talking about the spray equipment i don't know i honestly can't remember i re- all i remember is they saying that it added like it the the look definitely was different than the like the dye penetrating the wood because it you yeah. had like this nice um you know, color that set on top of the wood and you could tell that it was sitting inside like the polyurethane. So Mm -hmm. it added like a different dimension to it. I think Um, that was our discussion with Sam Hammery, who is with Erlex. We were talking about spraying and because I like dye, we we went into a long discussion about dye. Um, I I think you're right. What's that? I think you're right. That sounds familiar. It's been a while since I've, I actually listened to that myself like a year after we recorded it because I was, thinking about spraying again um but it's been a it's been a while since i've listened to that and i i'm sure we talked about putting dye in other um in other coatings uh so you might want to try but the my reluctance to put dye in armor seal per se is that armor seal is um you know not armor seal i mean um What's their what's their water based finish one? Oh oh um high performance. Yes, yes. See, yes, that's what I'm mixing it okay, with. Even that their high I've I've never I've used Armor Seal many times. I've never used the high performance. Personally I stay away from the water based finishes. I find the, I, I don't know. I think the oil works just fine. I don't have an issue with it. But um the the high performance, my understanding is why people like it so much is because it imparts amber, which most water based finishes don't. Yeah. And if you're going with a wood-toned dye, that might not be an issue at all. Um, so, it, I don't know. Like, it's not it's not something I would do mostly because it doesn't it doesn't fit in with the way I do dyed colors. It's not that it wouldn't work. It's just I'm not. I don't want an amber tone added to a blue or a red dye. Um, yeah. but if you're going with a wood-toned dye, I'm not. I'm not sure if the ambering tone of the finish would, you know, just add to the the color of the wood and make it richer, or if it would be kind of counteracting the dye and and it wouldn't work. Um, For something like that, I would absolutely recommend test samples, especially since this is the dining room table that has taken you four years to build that's sitting in your dining room, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I did, and I I built test boards when I, um, uh, sanded down the tabletop. I I took a um a, a chunk of the 
um, wood that I had left over from the top and sanded it down through the grits with it. Okay. Um, to, uh, so I actually set aside a board to test. Um, and that's getting around to testing, especially with the weather, the way it's been, I just, um, and I, I wanted to have it done and I kind of stopped to think. So I made myself a promise by June 1st, which is coming up pretty quickly. <laughs> I would have my sprayer out. Okay. That I won. Here's the deal. I won this through, uh, Mark Spagnolo back in May, um, in April of 2015. Okay. It's um, <laughs> about so how long I've had mine. Am I still in the box right. the attic? Yes. It's in, it's, it's a, well, it, the crazy thing, it's a Fuji, a, a Fuji Q, I think it's the Q4. Okay. So it's a, a pretty expensive high end unit. And it's just one of those things that's like, I've never really had the time to attempt something new. Right. So mm-hmm. up until I moved here to South Carolina, I was heavy into commission. So taking the time out to try to learn something new uh, meant, I wasn't spending time on customers projects right now that I'm not really heavy into it. Um, I, I set myself a June 1st, I would at least have it out and, and have at least sprayed water through it. So I, so the intimidation factor of starting something new is gone. Now okay. I just got to spray finish. And so I was telling myself if I'm going to spray the tabletop, cause that's the whole goal, like, get it out. I might as well just spray the tabletop. Well, then I might as well just go ahead and build the benches and spray the top and, the, the benches, the, the top to the benches at the same time. Like why go through the setup multiple times um, when I already know that I'm going to have to use it. So I'm, I'm going to go tomorrow morning um, after I drop the kid off at school and pick up lumber to, to knock out the benches, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I can spray them all at the same time. And, and even at that, I mean, I've, this table has been sitting here for a couple of weeks now on, uh, unfinished, but it's, it's finished. It's sanded through the grits and I'm starting to like the, the rustic, not so rustic. Cause it's, it, it, I'm starting to like the, the, the wood grain of the, uh, of the poplar that I used, okay. but it's not, it's not like any poplar I've ever seen. Like it, to me, it resembles what hickory would look like. Okay, because yeah, poplar can vary wildly that. in you know mm-hmm. from purple to yellow to yeah yeah and 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 so I'm starting to dig it now and so I start questioning myself like do I want to dye it now because I I like the look of it um, I guess it's a, a conversation I'll probably have to have with with my wife since it's really her dining room table if, and if I could make say, a suggestion um, what I would say is do you have a decent size sample piece that you've you've sanded to the same grit. I do. I do. I have, um, well, depending on what you call decent size, I think the piece that I have sanded through the grits, I don't know, 12 or 14 inches long. Oh. Uh, um, so is it decent enough? Um, if you can tape it off so that there's three, you know, roughly equal sections. And if you're considering that you think you might, it might be growing on you, just put the, put the finish with no dye on one section on the other section. It might be a lot of work to dye some of the finish and spray it on another dye, some of the high performance and spray it in the other. But if that's a method that sounds like it might work, I think it's worth going through the effort of just doing this tiny little thing in the spray just to make sure it's going to work on the big table. But then the other thing I would suggest, which is going to be, I think a little bit easier 
and maybe it's just because I'm familiar with it, but a little bit easier than adding the finish to the high performance would be um, just mix up a small little container of half pound cut shellac. Um, and like the, the Zinsser seal coat is two pound cut. So um, I use the... I use the workshop widget app that um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but that was a, was Mark's original app, and then uh, then he went with the content app. But regardless, um, you can figure out, you know, just look up how much alcohol to add to two pound shellac to cut it to a half pound, and then add a couple drops of the trans tint because that's all it needs. Um, and I usually do one to two coats of dyed shellac as my dye. And then I put undyed finish on top of that, be it armor seal or uh, spray lacquer or just more shellac, depending on what kind of finish I'm going with. Um, and I just wipe up, wipe it on. And with the, because it's shellac, it dissolves into itself. So you put one on. If it's a little blotchy, you can put another one on and kind of work it in. And it'll kind of dissolve the base coat as you put the second coat on and make it a little bit smoother of color. Um, and then try putting the the high performance over that. That's probably what I would recommend in terms of test samples to see which one you like the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably, I, that, that's a good idea. And I'll probably do that. Um, and then present those all to my wife and let her decide which one is the route she wants to, she wants me to go with. But yeah, that's, that's the deal is it, it, it is. I mean, it's actually, it's, it's, it's in place. It's got a top one. It's, it's usable. Um, it's just holding off before I apply the finish to get the benches done. I mean, to me, it just makes sense if I, if I know I'm going to have to potentially get the gun out and, and, and go through the whole process more than once, then why not just wait and do it all at the same time? Right. Right. And so. I, I know there are tons of guys out there who can talk about how to do the spray, but have you, uh, have you talked to Todd Clippinger about it? Yeah, I have. Okay, because he's a, he's talk. a wealth of knowledge in terms of the yeah. spraying. He sprays everything. Yeah. Well, so why I set myself as a June first deadline is because he called me out on it. So <laughs> p- publicly too on on Instagram. So so I was like, all right, I'll I'll do it by June first. He was like, why don't you just start by getting the manual out and reading through the instruction manual? I was like, ah, good idea. <laughs> so that that's gonna happen. Um, and it may actually happen this weekend. I have a four day weekend coming up. So, um, at least getting it out and while the kids are playing on the sprinklers or something, or I'll spray them down with spray yeah, guns. Just, spray the the kids. just put some water and spray the kids yeah. down. Here's, there here's you your go. shower for the day. <laughs> um, but no, so what else is on my bench is, you know, you heard me say the last day of school is tomorrow and it yeah. has crept up on me, um, pretty quickly. Um, so I started two nights ago, jumped in the shop and trying to bust out like a little succulent planner for my wife's teacher, uh, my wife's teacher, my son's teacher. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so we, in fact, as soon as we get done recording, I got to get out there and sand it now. Um, I got it all shaped up and everything. Um, I got the the hole drilled in it last night and filled um, with epoxy to seal the fibers. So, Water doesn't uh, soak into it. So I'll get it sanded tonight and probably apply, hopefully apply a coat or two um, of shellac on it. And then uh, I still got to, I'll have to go in the morning and pick up a little succulent for it. But that way he'll have something to give to his teacher tomorrow. Right, right. Um, now, did you, what did you, you do for a shape? 
I'm, well, let me backtrack. I'm assuming it's essentially it's a block of wood with a hole drilled in it to accept succulent. Like I know a bunch of people who make them in that basic design, and they all shape them differently. Yeah, um, yeah. So what I did was, in, in fact, I just because I literally I was like, oh crap, into schools in four days, and I had nothing, and so I went out there. I grabbed um, a couple offcuts from the tabletop. I grabbed some of my nicer um, plywood offcuts, sandwiched them together, um, and then just cut it. And I did very impromptu. I threw it on the bandsaw and just started going. I, I think I angled the table maybe at like 10 degrees or something like that and just made a very uh, like geometric shape out of it. Okay. Uh, and then kind of drilled the hole a little off center, um, give it, I guess, more a little artistic vibe or whatever. And then I did did a uh, like a a forty five degree chamfer around the inside of the hole, okay. just to give it a little bit more of a of a dimension. Did you did you coat the hole with epoxy? Yeah, okay. I, I did. So I I I in fact I'm a big proponent of art resin. Yeah, I've, I've 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 heard you say that. I've I've seen my aunt's done some art raising stuff that I saw over Thanksgiving that I was really impressed with, but I've never I've never played with it myself. It's more of like an epoxy coating that you put over things as opposed to a glue, right? Yes, but it still hardens up just like West Systems does, just like your your five minute or fifteen minute epoxies. It still gets super hard. In fact, I've used it, and I'm sitting here right next to um, memory box that I built, and I used. I used it as an inlay, um, so I cut a like a support the troops ribbon out of the lid of this, probably a quarter inch deep, and filled mm-hmm. the entire thing with art resin, and it's solid. I mean, it's it's not moving. Um, I'm assuming that's colored. It's not. It's cl- well, I colored it. I dyed it with trans tint, but it is clear, and that's what they pride themselves on. It's 100% clear. Um, they they say it won't ever yellow, but the company's fairly new within the last I don't know, five years or so, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't have 20 or 30 years behind their product, um, at least to my knowledge, saying that it won't yellow over time. But right. they're saying because of their their formula, it's not supposed to yellow. It's very low VOC, so you can work with it inside. Um, and they sent me a bunch of it a year, maybe two ago. Um and it's I've used it for numerous things. In fact, my son's door, if you if you follow me on Instagram, my son's like press carbon or the particle board doors that they have to, you know, interior doors mm-hmm. fell off the hinges, like the screws stripped out of the hinges. And I filled up those holes with epoxy okay. and put it back in it's it the doors holding solid. So um it definitely hardens up. I you know. I don't think anybody's ever used it, or at least to my knowledge, as joinery um, or to glue up like they would West Systems. But I, I don't see a problem in in not using it. Okay. So, um, so that's what I, so that's what I used um, mainly because that's what I had in my shop. So I, th- I threw that in there and I got it all sealed up and um, let it dry overnight. So. I'll get back in there. Now it's, it's good just to sand and throw a little bit of coats of finish on. And really I, at this point I was like, well, I don't have anything else in my shop for once. I don't have any spray lacquer <laughs> in my shop. I don't, I have like the high, some high performance in there, but even that takes a little bit longer to dry than yeah. 
what, what I have time for. I need no, to the get a couple slack cuts will on. be quick, especially if you cut it so, down so it's nice and thin. It'll it'll dry yeah. almost instantly. Yeah, and I have I think I have one of their waxed shellacs from from Zinser. Okay. Um, so uh, I the one I have is amber. It's okay. an amber color, so I think I'll have a nice about. old color. Um, yeah, and, and those are a little more. I think those are what, like a three pound. I think cut that's or a three pound cut. Yeah. So I, I, so. I know you know do what you, do what works, but I would I would at least personally I hate putting on shellac that's thicker than a pound. Um, yeah. I always I always cut it. Um, and you, certainly you need more coats, but they just dry so damn quick. I was doing the very first quilt rack I ever did. I put twelve coats of shellac on it in a single day. Um, yeah. Because they were drying in like forty minutes, and I would put the next coat on. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's a very quick impromptu project that, you know, I, of course, anything I, at least I ever do, I go in saying, all right, I need this done quick. Let's, let's make it simple. And I've turned it into something more complicated. Like, oh, I want to go, <laughs> like, let's tilt the table and let's go with a, just a random shape. And then let's pull out the hand plane and chamfer all the edges. And so I've, I, have I've, you seen the succulent planters that CC Boyce makes? I have. So, I have. Uh, what I'm thinking of is kind of a cross between the ones that Dave Pesciuto made years ago and the ones that CC Boyce makes. Is that about what we're talking about? Yeah, that's a that's in fact a perfect way to say it. Okay. Um, it's helpful that I've seen and, both those things. For our listeners who yeah. haven't, you might want to check Dave Pesciuto's site and uh, and CC's mm-hmm. site. But CC make sells them professionally, and it was one of Dave's first projects when he started making project videos. I think. Yeah. I, <laughs> And don't, don't quote me on it, but I think when he he did it, so he'd made them like back when he was doing his craft show circuit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think he said he sold it like the, the singles. He made he made a couple singles and then one that had like three, I think three or four in it. He said, I'm pretty sure he said he sold the singles for like $35 or $40 a piece. So, I mean, it's it's definitely something if you if you jump into it, you can batch them out fairly quickly. And yeah, absolutely. I have make a, five. A good, of the ones that are basically prosciutto's design uh, that I yeah. made with my kids for for Mother's Day years ago, um, and you can you can batch them out real quick if you try to. Yeah. So and this is I've I've been meaning to make some more um, and get into it. So this is kind of a prototype and see um, how long it takes. Um, and I, I will definitely probably scale it back the next time because <laughs> it, I don't need to get the hand plane out and chamfer all the edges. I don't need to chamfer the inside of the hole and, and all this. So, um, it, it's definitely a good prototype project, but not when your time restraint, because here I am the night before I'll be working until probably two o'clock in the morning trying to get it, <laughs> trying to get it done. And let's hope I don't wake up my kids at some point by working in the shop that late. So. Mm-hmm. They're young, they'll sleep through it. Better to teach well, them now. True. My son's my son's a heavy sleeper, and it doesn't matter. He'll go crawl in bed with his mom and go back to sleep. My daughter, on the other hand, is I. We haven't really been able to determine how hard of a sleeper she actually is, um, because you can walk in a room at night, like after you've put her to bed, you go back check on her, and sh- she'll sleep through it. But like when you put her down for a nap. And she's sleeping hard and you open her, you just crack her door and she's up and she hears mm-hmm. you. Um, being that my shop is right under her room, I, I don't know. I've worked in, I worked in it last night. She didn't wake up. So it's knock on wood that yeah. she won't wake the, up tonight. The stuff but, you're doing tonight sounds like it's quieter. It's mostly finishing work. But um, Yeah, it'll be sanding. And, and, okay. and 
you know, the the festival sanders in the back are they're still loud, but they're relatively a lot quieter than a router will be. Yeah, I was I was going to say that would be, so. the best way to tell if your daughter sleeps well is with a planer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So that's that's what's been been going on in my shop. So it's quiet, so, is what you're saying. Yeah, and to to be honest, in fact that. Whoever whoever's listening to this episode will be the first to hear it. I've 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 been a little bit slower since I came back in town. I was out of town uh, for work um, the first two weeks of May, and so right about two weeks ago, a little more than two weeks ago, I had a mountain biking accident and separated my shoulder. Um, I, so I haven't really verbalized that to anybody. I've it's, it's kind of had me down because. Um, working in the shop, doing a lot of that, that shoulder movement stuff is, is really hurt. And especially when I'm, um, at work teaching law enforcement all day, every day, um, it's hurting. So to come home to get in the shop has been, um, a little brutal. Um, you know, a lot of times it even, it even sits, hurts to be sitting on the computer at night and try to do plans. Um, something where I'm doing like a lot of mouse movement and stuff like that. So we're, I'm trying to work through that. I'm trying to bear through it to get at least get myself somewhat in the shop doing a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't know how that's going to impact me for the foreseeable future. I don't right now. They're still pending um, whether they want to do surgery on it. Oh wow! Um, so it's a real so, injury. Yeah, it's it's at the it's a separation of the AC joint, which is um, where your collarbone and your upper shoulder meet. Holy crap! Uh, I was so. I was literally talking to a coworker today <clears throat> and I went out and saw him and he lifted his hand to shake and he goes, you know, just be gentle. It's like, like just bum knuckles with him real quick. And it, his was like a baseball coaching thing and some kid tripped him and he fell down weird and landed square on his shoulder. But he did the same thing. He separated his clavicle from yeah. his shoulder socket. And he yeah. goes, yeah, like it's, they said it's no, nothing torn or anything, but it, I mean, that's serious. Yeah, and and it's extremely painful. Um, yeah, you know, at least for me, um, a lot of movements not bad, but it's when, you know, my hands either behind my back or above my head, and you're doing artic artic articulation of the shoulders. And that's really where it starts hurting, which is most of my movement. I'm teaching handcuffing and all sorts of everything um, every oh, so day. You're but, moving your arms all over the place. Yeah, um, and anybody that really knows me knows that I'm I'm one of those. More stubborn guys, but I, I just I take pride in my work, and I don't want to be the one that sits on the sideline and makes the rest of my team um, or or my guys work more to, to pull my weight. So you know, I, I try to still do what I can. Um, but yeah, that. Long story short, I was we were last day that we were riding in Virginia, um, and we were coming down. Um, uh, not not a steep hill, but we're coming down a hill and we're hitting some jumps. Um, I came off this series of three jumps and I did it probably five times and we're like, no problem. We're going to do it one more time um, before we headed back in because it was getting dark. And I came off that third jump just at, I mean, the slightest of an angle and I was pointed towards a tree and I realized that. So I tried um, to kind of lean my bike over and, and, and miss the tree. And when I did the, the tires just slid across the pine needles and my, 
bike slammed into a tree Ooh. and lucky enough that I was, had already started my movement to, to bypass the tree. So my, the, my, my body just kept went flying past the tree. So I didn't hit that, which is great. Cause I would have probably done a whole lot more damage, but I landed probably eight to 10 feet away, right on my shoulder. Oh. Um, and at the time I got up and I was like, yeah, you know, it's your adrenaline dump. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Let's, you know, it's getting dark. I need, let's get off the trail. And I go back and my bike is just like my, my handlebars just tweaked to the left, probably six or eight inches. And so it probably took us 15 or 20 minutes to try to get my handlebars somewhat straight um, just so we could get off the trail. Um, but like the next day, I was like, oh, I'm a little sore. And then like progressively every day since it was just been like, all right, this is really bad. And then finally on Monday, I wouldn't say I chose to go to the doctor. My wife made me go to the doctor. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they're like, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you definitely separated. They did a bunch of x-rays and stuff. And so now they're just determining what, what they want to do with it. And I'm, I'm hoping they don't lean towards surgery. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely have to see, um, in the next week or two as to what they do. Um, so that's, that's kind of had me down. That's really why I haven't done a whole lot. Um, you know, between the pain and then just being bummed about it. So that's, that's unfortunate, but do what you got to do because, you know, take care of it now. You don't want the long term. you know, better to go for a couple months of limited or no shop time and then be able to get back to it. than than not over the long term, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, well, we'll hope we hope you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heal quickly. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Sean, can I put you on the spot and ask you to talk about the uh, the featured interest that I put in the show notes? <laughs> well, yes. <clears throat> as as much as I um I know all about it. The um, are you speaking of the ArborTech ball gouge? I am. It looks really really cool. It does hold on let me pull up Do you, have you seen it yet <laughs> i've not okay um, um arbitech makes well well i know they, what they do they make a yeah. wonderful concrete cutting saw um which most woodworkers don't know about we have one at work it cuts through any type of masonry like butter it is fantastic um but beyond that they make lots and lots of woodworking tools most of which fit on the grinder mm-hmm. um so they make like the turbo plane is i think probably their at least in the circles I travel, the, the most popular thing. But they make lots of different attachments for the uh, for the for the gr- grinder, and they even make their own grinder with this little arm that comes out that takes tiny little circular bits rather than four inch bits. Um, so the ball gouge, what it is, is it's a shaft. I'm guessing here, but I'm going to say it's probably about three or four inches long, and it screws on to the center. Oh, let's call it a post of the grinder. And at the end of the shaft is this sphere that yeah, I'm looking at probably it an inch in diameter, inch and a half, something like that. And there's a circular blade on the sphere that is basically, you got the post coming up and the sphere. And if the post is vertical, the blade is set at 45 degrees so that as it rotates, the blade cuts around the entire sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, now they talk about how the blade is self-sharpening. I 
I don't understand how that works. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I they've not they've not explained that in the videos yet, and it's not it hasn't been released yet. They've just announced that it's coming. So let's hope that it does self sharpen because that'd be really really cool. But I don't I can't explain how that works. But basically, is when it's it, what's that is it car is it carbide that somehow it's going to just I don't know. I believe most of their blades are high speed steel, but even then, I, I, I don't know. Um, it says it's been engineered to self sharpen when in use. Yeah. What you know? Well, I, I wish. Mean, like, let's engineer also, everything to do that. It's also replaceable, which means it's not going to last all that long. Eh, so I mean, the other stuff I have in there is will last. Um, it's like I mean, they're saying like you can just plunge it into and like make a spoon. Exactly, go. but when when it's spinning, what you essentially end up with is a sphere that is a has a blade around the entire thing, um, mm-hmm. and. A lot of their demonstrations, they're just carving for the sake of plowing these holes. Um, But I was immediately thinking of a stand I want to make that's going to be kind of organic. I talked about it in the last episode. Um, And I thought that that rounded uh, hole, essentially, that you can carve with it would be perfect for refining like the veins of the stand as it comes down in this organic twisting shape. Um, so since I could immediately think for a use for it, I thought it was a really cool tool. Um, it looks really cool. It you're, you're early. Yeah. It says it will be available for pre-order in late August. So we are months away. Sean, I'm still looking at three boxes full of walnut for a rocking chair. It was supposed to build two years ago. I think yeah, I'm okay. right on time. Perfectly in your timetable. Um, um, I'm I'm only looking at it. I'm curious on how controllable it is. Well, I would encourage you and anybody else to uh, to check out the video that um, yeah, Armor Tech has. Don't it watch more. it while we're recording the show, but, um, <laughs> but afterwards, it's it's a few minutes and it shows what they're doing. And the other tools they have are all like any tool; they take a little bit of practice, um, but they are all fairly controlled. And if you've got a four inch grinder. And you screw the accessory handle onto the side because I'm, I'm pretty sure almost every four-inch grinder comes with a handle that screws into the side. So you hold the handle in one hand and the body of the grinder in the other hand. You've got two hands. You have pretty decent control. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't anticipate having a problem with it. What I'm a little concerned with is will it catch? Yes, that's um, more my thinking because the way it looks like it rotates, I mean, it's not that it's – it's not doing a little dance as it rolls around. It is a, it's a, like you said, it's like a, a ring on an angle spinning around itself. So it's essentially going to shear as it rotates, but right. it's not that it's, it's not, not all the time. Maybe I, I think that first, the first introduction of it will be a, a catch of some sort, but then mm. it's going to go around. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I think between the shearing and just the fact that it's, the, the four-inch grinders spin so damn fast mm-hmm. that you don't have the opportunity to get a lot of wood in front of the blade before the blade comes around again. Yeah. So I, I, I'm i inclined well, to think it's going to be pretty controllable. It looks yeah. controllable in the video, but until I get one in my hands, you know, time will tell. Like most uh, of their stuff, I mean, they look aggressive as all get out, but, you know, you take – you spin it up and then you just kind of lightly touch it. Until you know what you're doing, then you can go a little deeper. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it says right right here, at least on I'm on uh, CanadianWoodworking.com's page, mm-hmm. and it says the uh, the ball gouge 
with its anti-grab technology won't dig in like other tools do. Instead, it gently bounces out, and when moved across a wooden surface, it creates a chisel-like texture. So it, it says that it shouldn't, it shouldn't grab like that or, or shouldn't dig in. Uh, so what I, what I get from that, to get technical, it looks like the, the ball shape that's not the blade. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bet you that that outer diameter of the ball is equal to the outer diameter of the ring. So that it, it when spinning quickly, the cutter is also being contacted almost instantaneously by the whatever that's made of metal or whatever. Yeah. So right. that it won't it'll it'll try not to catch. Yeah, and it, that that's that limits the regardless of the speed, that limits the depth of the cut, which is a, you know, the safety feature. That's why a good router bit is just as a narrow space behind the blade and then takes up the body again rather than having these giant gaps behind the blade because it physically limits the depth of cut. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it's an, it's definitely an interesting little, little attachment. Um, it's, it's just by looking at the picture, I didn't watch the video, but it kind of looked, yeah, I, I just can't imagine how, how well that's going to work. But well, I'll, I'll Arbor, tell you, Arbortech's very, very known for their carving. Yeah. Um, and I saw, so. I follow Canadian Woodwork uh, magazine. I think it's like Woodwork and Home or something. I forget the exact name of the magazine, but I know the site you're on. Um, and I follow them on Twitter. So that's actually where I saw it first. And looking at the picture, I could not wrap my head around exactly how the damn thing worked until I saw the video. And then it made a lot more sense. So, um, in about four years, when I post the show notes for this episode, there'll be a link to the video in the show notes. In the meantime, if you just go to Arbortech's website, I'm sure you'll be able to find a link. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm looking at. I guess I'll, I won't be getting in the shop for at least five minutes after we get done recording because I'm going to watch the video. <laughs> um, oh, very cool. All right. Thanks so, for uh, introducing us to that, Dan. No, no problem. All right. So, so now that we've made it through what we're all working on and the Arbortech ball gouge, um, Jeremy, talk to us about country, countryside workshop. Um, what do you, what do you do over there? What do you have to, to offer to the fine folk, fine woodworking folk in the interweb? Um, well, I'm, I'm mainly a blog. Um, I try to do as many videos as I can. Um, just unfortunately with my, my work schedule, um, always being varied, it's, it's kind of hard, um, to, get into and shoot a piece of video because I may not get back to another project for a while. Um, and I know I just, uh, about a year, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, I was stepped back away from, from commissions. Um, I was going to finish out the ones I had and I was, and I would keep select clients. Um, and a lot of that got thrown by the wayside when I was unexpectedly moved from Texas to South Carolina, where my work schedule immediately doubled. Oh. Um, mm. And and so it, it's been very slow in the, it, almost about the last year. Um, not a lot of posting on it, but that's it's pretty much what what it is. I, I try to do some kind of tutorials or blog about um, things I'm making in the shop. Like I said, I, I definitely got into the video. I just haven't um, got to get. I haven't had the chance to get into it a lot because of of my schedule. Um, you know, and I, I'm buying time. I have 
I don't know if I calculate it out just about like seven years um, where before I'll, I will officially retire in seven years. Um, so I'm trying to be in a place between the website and maybe going back to a few commissions to be working. So, so I'm working for myself and not going back to work for anybody else. Okay. Um, but right now the most, the most you'll see being posted to the website is from the podcast. And that's because we share the same website currently, um, at and least I, for the time being. I know how that goes. So mm-hmm. um, that will probably this year change, um, which means I'm definitely going to have to get more content posted, um, in which, in fact, I took all the pictures during the process of the, the succulent planner to uh, write an article about it. Um, and I have all the video footage recorded for the tabletop. I did, um, butterfly inlays Okay, from one of the companies here. I think I got the information right here from the woodworking shows. Um, let's see to Tartar woodworking. I kind of partnered with them. They sent me, um, some of the router templates and they're, and they're, and they're pretty cool router templates. They, to me, they're a little, they're higher quality than like you would get from, um, Oh, from like, uh, Eagle woodworking. Okay. I think they, what I think they with made the of? brands MLS. They're, they're made of, Oh man, I, you can't quote me on that. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're definitely, um, like, like plastic a, they're, yeah, they're, no, I would say a plastic plexiglass, something like that, but they're okay. thick. Okay. Um, Almost like a clear router ta- router base, that kind of material. Yes, yes, it is. It, it's it, it's just a little bit thicker than what a router base would be. I would say it's probably close. I think they're probably a quarter inch. Okay. Um, you know, in fact, they are a quarter inch because um, Tartar Woodworking partnered with with Whiteside. You know, Whiteside makes their inlay router kit that comes with the bushing comes with the, the bit um, comes with like a centering pin. Well, their bit is too short. So Tartar Woodward actually partnered with Whiteside and Whiteside makes a bit specifically for Tartar Woodworking's um, templates. And you can only buy the bit from Tartar Woodworking. Um, But it is a Whiteside bit that matches that, that fits with the, um, they're, I think they, 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 they call it the one eighth inch, uh, inlay kit, I think is what they call it. Um, and so I, they sent me, um, there's some of their templates and I did a video on them, uh, when I was putting in the bow ties in the, in the tabletop. So I have all that, that video shot. So I at least have two things that are near completion that will be up on the website. Um, and, and like I said, hopefully things will start slowing down a little bit. Uh, now that school's out, uh, you know, I'm hopefully we'll be able to get out in the shop a little more at night, not worrying about, oh, if I wake my kids up, mm-hmm. he's going to be grouchy when he gets up at 6 o'clock to get ready for school. Um, oh, God, in first grade, he's getting up that early? Oh, yeah. There's, their tardy bell um, here rings at 7.15. Oh, my Lord. My kids get up that early, oh. but they're in middle school. Like, yeah. It, it's it's crazy because his last school, uh, in fact, both of his schools in Texas that he went to, Tardy Bell rang at like seven forty five. 
So it was like he can get up at 6.45, 7 o'clock, and we lived five minutes from the school. My, which third, we graders, lived. my third grader's bus comes at 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, now that's late. Wow. What oh, time we, do they we, get out, though? Uh, he gets home at 3.30, 4 o'clock, something like that. Oh, yeah. See, they're, they're walking out of their school at 2 or 2.15. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's – I mean, maybe it's just because – temperature weather something down there I mean, that I, I don't know i came from texas where it's a whole lot hotter and yeah right their schools ran from 745 to 315 so yeah we, we were saying my um my son just got done with fifth grade well he's done tomorrow and and um they start at like 8 15 in the morning and they're done at 3 30 so i mean it's the that's the hour shift for you guys yeah, but i i know like all of our different grades we're really off topic from woodworking but all of our different grades they shift because the same bus company does them all so mm-hmm. that um, they've staggered the start time so that the bus can pick up like the elementary school. Actually, it does. I think it does the high school, then it does the middle school, then it does the elementary schools. Um, so they yep. all start at staggered times. Yeah, I think it's the same with us. They're staggered like that. Yeah. Um, I'm here to tie it back into woodworking. So now that school will be over um, – I'm hoping the the productivity of the website will increase, and with that, um, it'll increase with my son's presence. He's okay. now that he's 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 an extremely smart first grader. The kid reads at like a fourth, almost fifth grade reading level, um, comprehends a lot, um, and so I've I've really tried to instill in it that that this the countryside workshop isn't just my company; it's it's the family's company. Um, you know, it's it, it's equally his his mom's part, his sister's part, his part. Um, you know, I'm just the active participant in it right now. And he, so we did a project, I don't know, three or four months ago, um, together and back, back at Christmas time, we did a, we built a little Christmas tree stand, um, for his playroom. And he's, he's been very engaged and, and has really taken that pride of, Hey, this is, this is our company. This is, so he's, I'm trying to instill with that, that the older he gets and at one, at one point like in his life, I, I hope that he will take over that company mm. and, and take it in whatever direction he needs to be taken at that time, whether that's goes still content based, education based, um, you know, whether that be o- online education or in-person education, or if he goes back to client work, um, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, it's that company. It's gotta be fluid at some point. Um, right. if you don't ever change, then, then your company's going to become stale. Um, but now that he's really into that, um, he, he's already talking about other projects. He wants to build his dogs, um, like a, a dog food, uh, or a, uh, like a dog food, like a bowl holder to sit there. Right. One of those on. raised tray holder things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then he wants to make like a, a candy dispenser or something. So, you know, hopefully now that he's out of school, those, they'll, those projects will increase. Um, and you'll see a little more of him doing some projects. I don't know. Um, it, they'll probably be filmed because he's, he, he loves bragging to his, his <laughs> friends and saying, Hey, look, I'm on YouTube with my dad. And, um, so they'll probably be be videos, and if I can get around to it, I would like to shoot at least one video a month and do another, um, you know, one or two projects. I know I'm gonna start into another big project pretty soon, but at the same time, I'm gonna try to push in a, f- a few smaller projects. I have 
a whole bunch of paddle cutting boards from bell forest. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And the only person I know that has actually done any kind of t- tutorial on, on their, their paddle cutting board templates and everything that they send with it. It was, uh, Matt Vanderlist. And I th- that was, check, uh, check Tom's old site. Did he do one? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it was, Tom, maybe it was Tom's that I, I just remember I said, I saw one or two, not, you know, there wasn't very many out there and I have them in the shop and I was like, well, you know, that'd be a good video. And there's a few other small things. Um, like my, uh, my stepmother wants a, a bowl. So I think it's, you know, I'll try to get some of those smaller projects, um, to be blog articles or, or at least a video, um, once a month. Okay. Uh, so that's at least, at least currently that's what countryside workshop is. Excellent. Well, so with, um, with the move and the increased work schedule, um, it sounds like you're not take not, not necessarily not taking, but not really doing commissions now. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not necessarily doing them or, or taking them. Um, if one comes my way, in fact, it, they're, they're going to be very, very picky. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am on a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a farmer's market craft show, um, circuit here okay. by Somerville, Somerville, South Carolina that I actually live in has every Saturday morning, um, from like, I don't seven to 12, I think is what it is. Um, a farmer's market, a lot of craft show, like a lot of crafts in it. Um, oh, okay. And I, it's, it, it is a jurid show. So you have to apply to be in it. And I applied this year. Um, I, so that I actually got picked up for a fill in spot. So I fill in where needed. And I, and that's, I feel like that is kind of more my, my style right now. I can build what I want and I'll take it. And if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, whatever I, I built what I want. Um, right. Versus, that, that kind of gets to where I was going with the question was if you're not, you know, in a perfect world where the dining table is done, um, and you're not worried about what you're building for other people based on their wants, what do you want to be making in the shop? You know, if you could just have the time to build a a project, not a shop project, but a piece of furniture, what do you want to make? Um. So, so definitely for effect, there's there's three. Now there's four things on on my list that I would like to try to get to within the next year, year and a half. One is a new uh, bed for our guest room, a queen size bed. Um, hadn't done a lot of thinking on it, so I'm not real sure. The one I'm currently in the design process of is a dresser for my wife um, for the last four years or so. She hasn't, we didn't have dressers. We, we sold our old bedrooms, uh, suit and we never really bought any, we bought a bed. We didn't buy any dressers or anything. Um, and we moved here and, um, we bought her like a, she got like a little cheap Walmart dresser or something. And our master closet had like, has like three drawers built into the closet unit. So that's, I, I really want to build her a nice, nice large dresser, um, and that—that's what I'm currently like designing. I'm in the actively in the design phase. In fact, right before we jumped on here, I was working on plans for it. Okay. Um, 
other than that, I know there's, let's see, there was those two. Um, I want to build an entertainment center, I, I guess is what you would call it. Kind of like a TV console. Um, okay. but my TV wouldn't really sit on it. My, my TV, at least up in the kids, um, what do they call it? Game room upstairs. The TV's mounted on the wall, but, um, I just have like my son's Xbox and all that stuff kind of just stacked up on like a little ottoman. Mm-hmm. So I want to build like a little console there for that. I have the exact same uh, project underway since about October. I plan to hopefully drag it out of the basement and start working on it again this weekend. Yeah. And I think that that might might go before the dresser for the pure fact if I'm trying to go very like I already have the design in my head. I just got to put it out on paper. Um, so I have dimensions. Um, it, it, it's going to be a rather quick project. It's the, the, the carcass is going to be made out of plywood. Um, and then I'll, I'll have, um, like a hardwood face frame on it. I think I'm going to do like one shelf, um, in it. And then like maybe, uh, a half of it or, or on one side is going to be a door. Um, so something very modern slash minimal, minimalistic, um, and then the other thing, the one thing that I've really been thinking about is my brother just moved into a new house um, Friday on the 19th. So that was Friday. Okay. And they've been talking about having a new dining room table. Um, <laughs> his wife doesn't his wife doesn't really have any idea like what she wants. I've, I've thrown out ideas. I've shown pictures. She has really no idea. Um, they did come across like this one picture and it was kind of grainy and blurry, um, but it was a, a trestle style table. And it's, so it, it didn't have any breadboard ends on it. You know, so it had, I don't know, three or four planks um, going long ways, whatever. Um, but instead of like a traditional trestle leg, it had um, like, imagine like you just make a square mm-hmm. and, and, and so you'll have a square on each end. For, for the leg assemblies. Um, and is there a foot so, that comes out at the bottom like you would have in a trestle table? No. So like oh. the bottom part, the bottom part of the square. So like you just take a square and stick it straight up and down. Um, so the, the actual bottom piece of each square would be the foot. That would be what's sitting on the ground. Um, so obviously it would have to be made a little bit wider, you know, probably four or five inches wide for, for the, for the P the piece that goes across that. But, um, they they decided they were going to hold off at least for the next few months um, until they get moved in, settled in, really kind of figure out the size they want and and the color and everything like that. But it's it's kind of stuck with me, and I, I've thought about it every single day for like the last I don't know, three weeks. <laughs> and, so you're building the table, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm going to end up prototyping it because the picture I looked at it it looks like it could rack. Um, and I would hate to give them a piece that ends up racking and, and then I'm there in Texas and I'm here and I can't really fix it, um, you know, right away until I can get out there. So I think I'm going to build a prototype, um, and, and put it through its paces, kind of figure out if it's going to rack, where it's going to rack, how to, how to stabilize it if need be. Um, and, and then I'm probably going to just try to sell it off and it, it will probably be for the cost of materials, you know, so I'm, I'm going to look around see if anybody um, is interested in in, in buying a, a prototype table, paying for the cost of materials. They'll have free labor. 
Um, but I'll at least get to work out some some kinks and bugs in it, um, and and kind of go from there. Um, okay. You know, it'll be the first time. It'll be the first time ever that I've built a prototype piece ever. So. I agree kinda- with all of that, and as I'm approaching, I think I'm approaching my fifteenth wedding anniversary. Um, <laughs> let me just offer the advice that you should finish your table first. Oh, it, it, it will be done. In fact, no other project will start until that. Um, and, and, and I'm at, I'm at that point. I mean, it's, I can't start like really anything bigger cause I'm it to me, it's more overwhelming at that point because I, I know I have this project sitting on the back burner. Um, so it, it will definitely be the first thing to get done uh, large project wise. Like I said, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to get over to the hardware dealer. In fact, I had to take the day off. My hardware dealer is only open from like eight to five Monday through Friday while well, I'm at work at six forty five and I don't leave work till four thirty and it's an hour from where I work. So mm. I took the day off to get up there um, and get that. I'll probably take my son cause I think he'll, he'll probably think it's pretty cool. Um, and we're going to pick up some, some lumber, at least enough lumber to build the, the base assemblies for him. Um, so I can get them built, sanded and, and start getting them painted. So I, you know, I say that, but you know, if I have to, exactly how I built the tabletop is I pulled my festival domino and put all the wood here in the in my office and built the the tabletop here in my office. Um, so it it will get done. Yeah. Um, no, you you do what you have to. That that table I built in three days, I assembled the trestle base in my kitchen because I didn't have yeah. room to do it in the shop. Mm-hmm. I think more. I'm I'm more just pushing my luck because I was. You know, if everybody listens to the podcast I do with Drew, I said right when I first moved in here, I'm putting the table unfinished in the dining room. It's not going back in the shop. So I see it every day. It's going to prompt me to work on it and get it done. And and Drew made a comment somewhere along the lines of working on it in the house. And I was like, yeah, I'll work on it right here. I don't care. And uh, so I started it. My wife didn't say anything about it. So I did a little more. She didn't say anything about it. I progressively worked on it a little more in the house. Never says anything. So I think more like I'm just, I'm just trying to press my luck and see how much I can work in here before she's, she's throwing like, the gauntlet yeah. down. Yeah, you have to see how yeah. far you well, can go until she says it, something. It, exactly. Um, you know, I don't th- because it's her project. I don't think she'll say anything. If it was somebody else's project, she probably would have said something right away. Yeah. So I I, I think that's the saving grace is it's. It is hers. Um, and she gets to see the progress of it and knows that like at the end it's, it's staying right here. So the trick is just that every project needs to be for her. Uh, (laughs) no, no, (laughs) because as she changes her mind a lot. And so, and that's one, I think one of the biggest thing I was always scared about with the table is like, I, I start designing it based off her taste, but then, you know, two months later she sees something different that she likes even more. And now she's kind of lost interest in it. So hopefully now that she's has seen the design for going on four years that she's pretty stuck with it, she'll be excited to have it. So it, it, it to put, you know, I, I know I, I put a lot of dates on it, but it will definitely be done. We're having a lot of family come up in July um, and it'll definitely be done by then just because we have no other place to entertain 
family. I think that, she's. I think that Drew mocks you enough for not having finished it. So I'm going to say <laughs> yes, it will. It will be done by then. Yes, yes. it will. It will. And if if it's my way, there's going to be a large portion of it being done this weekend. Um, I I have to make her happy. She wants to go to the beach at some point this weekend. So I will. Uh, well, you're literally finishing. So put a coat on, go to the beach, come back, put another yeah. coat on, go back to the beach. Yeah. And, and and at that, I mean, it's all the joineries for the benches are going to be done with the, with the domino. So it's a quick joinery. So I shouldn't, I, I don't see a, a lot of problems. I, I have to get some work done because come next week, it's supposed to downpour again here. The humidity will be skyrocketed and I really don't like working out there when the humidity's you know, a hundred plus. So, but that's, yeah, I guess that's, that's the long answer to the short <laughs> question. Perfect. That's what we look for. All right. Well, I think we have had a, had a nice, but long discussion about what we're all working on um, and what's going on uh, with countryside workshop. Mm-hmm. So Sean, before I jump off to the fortnightly beer choice, Yes, um, I believe we actually have a next broadcast topic. We do. We do. Uh, Handworks out in Amana, Iowa happened uh, as we record this this past weekend. And uh, we had a roving reporter there. And so the next episode will be a bit of a field report slash interviews of people that attended there. <clears throat> Pardon yeah, my voice. Sorry. And, and that, that roving r- recorder was Mr. Jeremy Wright. Who, yes. uh, who did a wonderful job. I was listening to a few of the episodes today as I began to edit them. Um, and I think the most I've ever come back from a conference with was 12 interviews. And he came back with about 20, maybe 18, something like that. A, a lot. I've not, I've not actually had the opportunity to listen to them all. So uh, let me just start by saying, Jeremy, thank you so much for all those interviews. Um, and the next actual, I'll call it live podcast, we will have Jeremy Wright on to discuss his um his escapades at handworks um so so that will be coming up in the feed and it sounds like a a, like a wonderful conference was had by all someday i'll get to go it's only like a uh eight hour drive for you i've i've no idea i'm making (laughs) stuff up how how far away is it from you oh des moines was an eight hour so yes it's somewhere around there okay but i bet i bet amana does not have the skyway bridge things that des moines did no, I doubt it. I highly, highly doubt it. Those were something to behold. Anyway, fortnightly beer choices. Yes. Have I'll you, start. Uh, hold on, Sean. Hold on, hold on. What? Stop what? this thing. Have you pre-filled out my fortnightly beer choice? or did No, I, that was in there before. That was in there. Okay, so that's me. All right. I apologize then. I, I thought you were trying to put a beer in my mouth. <laughs> not, <laughs> no, not not from where I'm sitting. Okay. I mean, it'd be funny if it was right, though. Um, it's no, not so far early, off, but no, no it's not. No, or, uh, earlier this evening, I was over at my uh, brother-in-law's house, and I had a Kona Big Wave, which is a, uh, a, a kind of a run-of-the-mill golden ale, but it, I, uh, I highly recommend it. I don't think it's the craftiest of things, but um, it's, it's, a good, it's a good beer. It's a, what type of beer is it? Kona. No, no, I know Kona, but oh, it's, it's a golden ale. It's a golden ale. Okay, okay. Yeah, is Kona the one that's made in like Vermont or upstate New York and acts like they're from Hawaii and isn't really, or is Kona actually from Hawaii? 
hold on, I'll find out here because um, the your statement sounds more true than it probably <laughs> should be. Um, Kona Brewery. Well, while you look that up, I'm going to go yes. through mine. Um, I have the Two Roads Brewery, which is a wonderful brewery out of Connecticut, um, and their Workers' Stomp Barrel Aged Saison, and it is a very good saison. Um, my barrel, I don't know how long it was in a barrel, but my bottle is a year old and, um, and it's quite good. It almost tastes, there's a coarseness to the taste that's almost, I, I clearly, I spent too much time thinking about how beer tastes cause this is ridiculous to describe it this way, but it almost tastes like grain that's been, um, like coarse ground instead of finely ground. Um, but it's the flavor of a liquid. So I don't know how that quite works but that's that's how i would describe it it's a it's a slightly coarse saison flavor um which is quite good saison is a is a type of beer that's growing on me i'm not quite sold on it it's not my favorite but i like it and this is this is quite a good saison um and if you haven't found the kona thing yet i'll just go on a bit (laughs) about how i was in vermont a few weeks ago and in vermont would appear that the only type of beer they know how to make is double IPAs. Um, For anyone who's familiar with alchemy, they make incredibly hoppy IPAs and that's like emblematic of everything that's made in Vermont these days. It's all incredibly hoppy IPAs. Um, And when I say all, I mean like 90%. Um, So I was, we were leaving, we actually went to Vermont for a brewery tour and we're leaving Vermont and we stopped at this country store and because on the tour I had picked up a cooler full of various Vermont IPAs, I wanted something a little different. So in, at the store, I specifically picked out three different saisons, one of which is this Two Roads saison. And when I was buying them, the clerk stopped me and said, do you know what a saison is? Because apparently the consumers there think everything is an IPA. Um, so no offense to my Vermont beer drinking friends, but um, – I do know what a saison is, and they're quite good. So I'm glad to see that Vermont and Connecticut, in this case, are making some non-IPA beers. Because while I like IPAs as much as the next guy, it's nice to have a variety. A uh, little note on Kona. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it is based in, founded in, and continues to operate uh, off the Big Island in oh, Kailua. Um, but they also have breweries in and, beer, and, and bottling in Portland. Washington, Tennessee, and New Hampshire. Okay. So they've branched out and are... Kona is the one I was talking about. Because I want to say there's some brewery that is li- not just a satellite branch, but literally based in New England that mm. acts like they're a Hawaiian beer, but actually isn't. But maybe I'm wrong there. I yeah, there's a nice little thing that, you know, father and son started it out in the islands, and it remains there. Just It's kind of branched out. Well, good for them for, for having that kind of production. That's that's I, That's not I bad can. for a small little brewery. Mm-mm. So, um, Jeremy, do you happen to have a, a fortnightly beer choice to share with us? Um, I do. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not drinking one tonight because I got to get back in the shop. Um, mm-hmm. Good, man. I, it, it's hard to narrow it down to one, um, but I will. My, my brewery of choice, though, is Shiner. Um, and that's actually from Shiner, Texas. Um, you know, they, some of you that don't know, they've been operating since like 1909. Um, they, they're known for Shiner Bach. Um, mm-hmm. They've branched out and they have a bunch of others. I think currently they have like t- probably 12 different 
um, beers out right now. Okay. And they go anywhere from a Bach to like a black lager, um, an ale, IPA. So, and they do seasonal. They do a lot. They have one out that, in fact, I was just looking at their website earlier today um, because you can usually find um, like where the closest um, place that will have some is. And okay. being out here, it's it's hard to find. I mean, it's since I left Texas, I've stopped drinking a lot of beer because I can't get my favorite beer out here. <laughs> um, but they actually have like a strawberry out right now um, and a peach. And it's because that's that, that, that season. Um, but to narrow it down, like my favorite of all time, and I can't get it out here, is their Shiner uh, Bohemian Black Lager. And and so Shiner is a German it's a German beer. Um, yes, yeah, it's but, a, but, like Spetzel Brewing Company or something like that. That's yes. The, the father. Shiner is the city in Texas, apparently. Yes, it okay. is. Um, and it's a small city. It's only like 2,000 people. Um, but it, it is only um, – brewed and bottled in Shiner, Texas, and they ship out um, some odd million cases a year around the United States. Um, but yeah, my favorite is is their black lager. Um, and it's anywhere around here I can't get. I can get like their, they do like a, a seasonal pack and I that, that will come with like some of the original Shiner Bach. It'll come with some of the IPA in it and uh, some of their other seasonal stuff. Um, so it is as nice as, as nice as it is. I wish I could get my, my, my favorite out here. Um, so maybe when my, my family comes out in July, I'll have them bring me a couple cases of it. I think they may have to, um, but it's being from Texas. It, I don't know. I've never been like, a dark beer drinker, a box drinker. I've, I've always been a lighter beer drinker mm-hmm. um, until I moved back to Texas five years ago. And I, I started drinking Shiner like it was water. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it is definitely my go-to. So, um, you know, I know you can pick it up at a lot of different grocery stores um, if they order it. Um, but if any of your listeners can't find it at a grocery store, go to World Market. World Market usually carries at least uh, the Shiner Bach, um, which is their original beer. World um, Market is down in Texas? World Market is um, just – it's all over the United States. It's a like a, okay. a giant – like I'm, I'm trying to think like what would it, it would compare to. It's, it's a giant like – let's see it's a it's a it's a retail store but they have they sell like foods and and like like dishes and some smaller furniture pieces they they sell (laughs) furniture and beer in the same store yeah Mm -hmm. well they said they it's they sell like staples from different cultures okay Um, and and a lot of they'll have like um, they have like a beer a beer and wine section that's from you know uh, from around the uh, around the world, um, but they'll have some other things. And yeah, World Market um, is is a a store, a retail store that's found throughout the United States. Um, I don't know if I have one anywhere close to me here, um, but we had them had them in Texas, we had them in Virginia. I want to say there was one somewhere in New Jersey uh, when I was living in New York, but I'm not entirely sure. That's that's been quite a while. Um, what part of New York but, are you living in? 
I lived in Staten Island. Oh, okay. The part of New York that's New Jersey. Yeah. I lived there from 2005 to 2008. Okay. So, when, so some of my better experiences in life are from living in New York. It's so, not boring. No, it's not. And that was the deal. Being young, um, freshly married, me and my wife got married and moved to New York um, with the Coast Guard. And, you know, being young, like, oh, hey, it's nine o'clock. I don't want to sit at the house and watch TV. We go hop on the ferry and in half an hour I'd be in Manhattan. And nine o'clock is when things just start, when people start coming out. Yeah. You know, so you, you can go mingle and, and people watch and everything else. So, it, it was definitely some of the highlights of our career of moving around. Um, you know, we're on our like seventh move now and we compare everything to New York. Like, ah, uh, well it wasn't like that in New York. Oh, I wish we were still, <laughs> still there. You know, well, the friend, the, the friends we made in New York, um, have by far exceeded some of the friends, most of the friends that we've met anywhere else. As um, a New Yorker, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that though. I hope you have friends everywhere. Um, but Next time you're in the area, you got to look me up. Oh, I did definitely will. I'm I'm hoping to be up there. We want to take the kids back up there sometime in the next year or so. Okay. Um, you know, my son's been, my son was there when he was little. We, my daughter hadn't been yet, and and we talked to my son about it all the time about New York and where we lived, and so we want to take him back and and show him, take him through, um, through Central Park and maybe the Central Park. Uh, zoo and stuff. Some of the things that we did when we lived there. Right. Right. Well, well, I'd be happy to have a podcast all about why New York is so wonderful. Um, <laughs> I think we actually have to wrap this up. So, yes. Sean, uh, I pass it off to you. Well, and that just about wraps up this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us, uh, to our show on uh, iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. <clears throat> then I'll get a better voice, and you'll be <laughs> be sure never to miss any of our new exciting episodes. While I'm, you're there, please leave us a review. What? I'm I'm shocked to learn that your voice has a direct correlation with with reviews. I would have reviewed us myself if I knew it would improve your voice. Yes, yes, more reviews, uh, and this crap will go away. <laughs> well, and um, <laughs> if you're not up to reviewing us, then please just check us out at uh, modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Or you can follow the MWA on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. You can circle the Modern Woodwork Association on Google+. Plus. We're still actually there. Um, and uh, frankly, the best thing you can do is tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing the discussion. So with all that, Jeremy, where can listeners find out more about you online? Uh, you can pretty much find everything, uh, any contact, anything like that at countrysideworkshop.com. Uh, if you want to follow anything that I do more on a daily basis, uh, behind the scenes, I'm very active on uh, Instagram. Definitely not Twitter. Still don't understand it, so don't look for me there. Um, when you come to New York, I'll teach it to you. All right, you'll you'll have to. <laughs> uh, you, you can also find me um, on the Woodshop 101 podcast. Um, that, that, that's a, the podcast we put out every week. And in fact, uh, you guys should go check it out and, and take a listen. Um, I'm going to do a quick little plug here no, go for it it's in the next in the next uh two two weeks i think the uh, june 9th we're and, and i have that date firm in my head because we just talked about it today there is going to be 
um, quite a few changes to the podcast come June 9th. Um, so we're going to record a couple shows tomorrow and, and that will be the last, um, of its, not, I don't want to say of its kind, but the format's going to change a little bit and we are potentially adding somebody else to the podcast. I was so, going to ask, I don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't want to guess your, your new surprise, but are you, are you bringing back a returning co-host or are you adding a, a new co-host who we've heard as a guest? It will be, yes, it will be a, a co-host that you heard as a guest. Unfortunately, um, at least f- f- right now, um, yeah, Sam Riamondi isn't returning. Um, that's a, that's a big uh, heartbreaker for us, but uh, we she do has hope a lot going on. I'm impressed she, she was able to do it as long as she did. Yeah, she does, and and we and we hope she'll she'll be able to come back in the future, and she'll always have her seat there. Um, but we we did have a guest on that we just felt like was was a perfect mesh. Um, and we we needed to move on it pretty quickly, so we did. So there will be there will be some changes. We're going to do some format changes. Um, you know you, you know how it is. You get into a part where it's kind of stale, and you got to mm-hmm. make changes to keep it fun. And so that's what we're going to do. Well, that's great. I, I I'm I'm eager to listen. Well, Absolutely. you'll have to you'll have to let us give us, give us some feedback on the new format and the new uh, co-host when when you find out. Certainly. Sean, where can people find out about you? I am uh, the Corner Workshop, and I'm at Sean W seventy eight on social medias, and I'm Sean Wisniewski on the Facebook. And I am Diami Plotke of Penultimate Woodshop and the Modern Woodworkers Association. I am at Diami Plotke on Twitter, and I'm at Penultimate Beer on Untapped. And with that, uh, that brings us. Exciting, thrilling, I'm going to say interesting episode. Uh, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That's probably the correct, the correct term because I've had a really nice discussion. Um, enjoyable episode to a close. So in, in the meantime, head out into your shop, take some dye, mix it with whatever finish you want, and let us know how it turns out. <laughs> there you go. All right. Good night. Good night.